Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from AltaSpeed Technologies, the Ask Noah show starts right now. This is the show where we came to do all the things on Linux they said couldn't be done and take your questions on how to do the same. The phone lines are open this hour to be a part of the program. It is a free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. That's 1-855-450-6624 or send an email to live at asknoahshow.com. My name is Noah Chalaya. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you as another episode of the Ask Noah show kicks off this hour. Joining me is my co-host, Mr. Steve Ovens. Welcome in, sir. Good evening, Noah. Do you ever find those things in life where it's just a little thing and it just makes you happy in the middle of, of a stressful or grim kind of time? I love those things. Tell me something that makes me less stressed. Well, it's not necessarily about re- less stressed, but I kind of mentioned it the other week that finding the, the GNOME Shell plugin called Burn My Windows, every time that I close a window or, or open a new one, the little effects just make me smile. <laughs> and it's just one of those things like the last week has been a little bit stressful for me. And every time I watch a window like blow up or kind of disintegrate, it just makes me smile. That's so much cooler than what Windows or Mac OS does. And Compass is back. Yeah. You know what? I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I forgot how much I liked it. I dig it. You know, you too can participate in all of the wobbly windows and all of the Compass effects and all of the things that you can do on your desktop environment. I invite you to share them with us live at asknoahshow.com. I'll tell you what made me happy this week, Steve jmp.chat is finally out of beta so this is over a six-year process and they're finally launching uh it's been an absolute tremendous amount of work and and i say this as a person who has been able to be an observer kind of on the fly on the wall um almost from day one and i've i i I, they have consistently delivered better service than i would have ever thought possible and so they've been at a place where I would have considered them production ready for at least the last year or two. And so it's, it's, it's super exciting to me that now they're, they're launching into the full launch. And so joining me to discuss, joining us to discuss this is, uh, sing Polima from jmp.chat. Welcome in, sir. Uh, hi. Hey there. So I want to start with this, um, Singpolama, can you tell me a little bit about the history of JMP.chat? It's a really unique service. What was it that caused the founding of JMP, and what did you set out to accomplish? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a uh, <laughs> so there's a uh, so I'll I'll be uh, clear. I I'm not the original founder uh, for JMP.chat, but. Uh, I have been involved since the very beginning, and I, I've been friends with with uh, Oscar, the founder, uh, for many years before before he started the company. And uh, I think for me, the roots of the idea that became JMP.chat uh, sort of started, oh, I don't even know, uh, years and years and years ago, uh, basically as soon as I got my first phone that could do sms before smartphones were even a thing uh i was already you know an instant messaging user and at that time i was already a jabber user um and i already had my jabber set up with gateways to you know all the other chat networks uh at the time you know uh, icq and msn messenger uh because of that's how long ago this story is uh and uh yeah, and I, when I got my first cell phone, it was this natural feeling for me, like, well, obviously this is just another chat protocol. Obviously, I should be able to bridge to this from my Jabber client, so I don't have to type on this stupid little T9 keyboard, because that's all again how old this story is. Uh, yeah. And that just bugged me for years, that like no one had built that. Um, and so I used to talk about that all the time. Uh, and then separately, uh, Oscar was looking uh, at. Uh, a significant degoogling of his life, you know, years later after we had met and we were talking about these things, he was looking at a significant degoogling of his life. And one of the things that he couldn't find an adequate replacement for, for his use case was Google voice. Um, and so kind of my background in Jabber and this, this idea that had been in the back of my head for all these years and his sudden need for a service that could translate a phone number with full text messaging capabilities onto his computer 
kind of came together in this moment and and that's what became jmp.chat so this is really fascinating to me because the story that you're describing is literally the path that i myself have taken and a number of the people that i know that listen to this show have also taken is they set out to they they're told by society or by work or whatever that you have to have a phone number and you have to participate in sms and calls and they're looking at it and going but wait I, this is a silly way for me to try to send and receive messages. There's a character limit. There's all, all these things. And there are better solutions for doing messaging, which I'm already using. Wouldn't it be great if this very simple, basic messaging service could be tied to all of the rest of these? That's what a lot of us set out to do. And it's interesting. JMP started largely to solve that problem. Can you talk a little bit about why JMP.chat in specific is the ideal choice for geeks who want to standardize their communication on the internet as opposed to going to you know a cell phone provider and getting a SIM card and putting it into a phone and using, well, you know, now we don't have T9 keyboards. We have, you know, regular QWERTY keyboards, if you like, or touchscreen or swipe or voice to text and all of the things. What makes JMP unique in that regard as it relates to being a geek and having access to these things over the Internet? Yeah, I mean, so it, there's a different pull for different people, I think, in a lot of cases. Uh, for me, it's still um, the flexibility of, of plugging in on my device whatever the device is, wherever the device is. You know, when I was on my honeymoon in Europe, we would just Wi-Fi surf uh, through the public Wi-Fi in parks and coffee shops and, you know, tourist hotspots. And I could still message from my normal Canadian phone number with everybody uh, that was used to messaging me. And I wasn't paying roaming and I didn't even have a SIM in the phone. You know, when I, when I get to the, I could go into a library and log in on the computer and, message people from there. I can, you know, use my regular phone. I can use my desktop. I could use my laptop. And, and these are all devices that I am using on a regular basis. And so it's nice that my messages follow me, um, wherever I go. That for me is, is my personal biggest driver, but I know a lot of different people have a lot of reasons that they, they like the flexibility that comes with decoupling their phone number, uh, from their, you know, service provider. So the phone number becomes tied to an account instead of tied to a specific device. So whether or not you have possession of that device, whether or not you have access to that device, it doesn't necessarily dictate whether or not you can get access to the messages or the calls. Those are just tied into the account. You just have to sign in with a new device. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've said to people, you know, you know, the proverbial drop your phone in the lake uh, and then you got to go and, you know, convince your provider maybe to even port the number and is some people i've i've known i've had friends who were weeks without you know access to their texts and they're all posting on their social media like oh everybody don't text me i can't you know <laughs> like that's just never been a problem for me it's right because it's just like go log in somewhere else i'm back in yeah absolutely i've seen some of those posts on, on social media as well or they'll share like hey message me on this service because i can't get to my text messages that sort of thing um yeah, typi exactly. typically when we see you know, a, a, a service, it typically operates off of this idea of a rolling accumulation of debt. So I, I use a service, I rack up charges, then at the end you sell, send me a bill and tell me how much I owe you, and then I pay, pay you, and if I don't pay you, then you shut my service off, that sort of thing. JMP has a different financial model. You guys kind of go off of this idea of a bucket, and you fill it up and then run it down. Can you talk a little bit about how that, how the account, how the funding model works and how that's maybe a bit more beneficial from a privacy standpoint? Sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that are really important to us in our billing system. Uh, the most important thing I would say our, our almost cardinal rule for the billing system is that no one should ever get a surprise charge. No one should ever be billed unexpectedly. Um, and that kind of permeates through the whole design of everything. So with a with a pay after system, I, I, and you say uh, you see that you know the way you talk about it that like everything is pay after, and I think that is true in the in the cell phone market today. Most things are pay after, but uh, you know if you think back to the aughts, a lot of things were pay before like this. Um, that that was very popular back when you were getting you know, oh I just want to pay per text message, and you know back when everybody was just getting on on board and 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 what we liked about that what i liked about that when that was popular was exactly this the no surprises right i put in 15 dollars. i can't spend more than 15 dollars. no matter what happens they can't bill me more than 15 dollars because they just can't <laughs> they don't have more money than that um and so that's definitely a part of it um another one one of the big reasons uh that we chose to go with a pure prepay model is because 
Um, we also want to have an extreme amount of flexibility in the ways that people are able to, to pay us. Um, and so, you know, uh, pay after works very well with a credit card where we keep your credit card on file all the time. And at the end of the month, we know how much we owe you. And then we bill your credit card. And as long as it doesn't get declined, everything's good. And that's how pay after models are usually designed. But if I want to do Bitcoin, if I want to let you send me a check in the mail, if I want to let you hand me cash over the table at a conference that I happen to be running a booth at, uh, you know, these are not good for pay after, right? I'm, I'm going to rack up your bill until you come to the conference next year. Like, it's not really practical, right? <laughs> Whereas uh, the, the model that we're on is just very flexible to any kind of payment model you can imagine. If you can get us money any way that you can conceive of to get us money, then we put it on your account credit, and now you have it to use, uh, you know, uh, for whatever is needed. I love that. And I, I also, I would just give a plug here to say that I really appreciate your all's commitment to to privacy and the ability of saying hey a lot of companies I think have lost this art of trying to make the process as frictionless as possible to the customer and in some cases they they literally go as far as to try to say well here's what's convenient for us so here's what we want you to do and yes that means you have to do some double backhanded handsprings but at the end of the day that's you need to be a body contortionist in order to do business with us i find it very frustrating one of the things that i've always appreciated about jmp everything from your chat support your customer support model to the way that you've thought through all of these billing things all lends itself to the making it as frictionless as a possible for the for the customer and i, I think that's great so kind of going off of that billing model, you've generously offered to extend the beta price. So for those of us that have been using jmp.chat for the past few years, um, there, you've you've always announced the price at $2.99 while in beta. And the, the promise has always been, hey, we're testing this right now. We're growing, we're learning, we're building. So we're going to give you a great price so that you can help come build our infrastructure and help test and give us feedback. Once we launch, we're obviously going to charge a fair market price. You're at that point but you're also, you've also extended a very generous offer through August of people to be able to stay at that beta price. Can you talk a little bit about what the final launch price is? And then for anybody that wants to prepay for those three years, how do they lock in that beta pricing? Sure, yeah. So uh, so final launch price for single lines or for first lines is uh, $4.99 a month. That's uh, kind of where we landed. And I mean, this is... Let's not beat around the bush. It's five dollars a month. Four ninety nine is what we write on the website for dumb political reasons, because that's what everyone makes their prices. So yeah. whatever. Drop we'll, that first digit. We'll we'll we'll, we'll bite the bullet and, and and do that one weird thing that everybody does. Um, uh, but uh, one of the big things that we heard about consistently in the in the over the course of the beta is that we have you know a lot of users who are multi line users, and uh, it's we had users who were already saying at the 299 price you know paying 299 per line is just uh you know it's it's it, it's troublesome because some people have you know five six lines uh and it and they don't use them all very often you know what i mean like a lot of people have mm -hmm. have lines that that are occasionally used this kind of thing and so it it was it was very taxing on on them to to be paying that full 299 per line for the occasional use line. So, uh, so what we've done with this is it, we've raised the price on the first line, but uh, multi-line accounts actually get a discount on their additional lines to less than they used to pay. So it's two forty-five now per additional line. Um, uh, so that's the the pricing model that we're that we're going with for for launch. But yes, like you said, uh, anybody who's been using it and likes the features and the pricing the way they are and would like to just stick with that um, uh, can contact our support anytime before the end of August and uh, you top up your account like you said it's a bucket so you fill up the bucket with however much you want to fill it up with and then you let us know and we will push your expiry date on your beta plan out by however much you're prepaying for up to a maximum of three years um, and that way you won't uh, pay more than the Two ninety nine a month equivalent until the end of that time. Thank you for that. So, what about people who have an existing phone number that they they don't want to lose? Do you do phone number porting? Yes, we do portings. Yeah, uh, but the way that we do that uh, because we don't want people to 
poured in an important number and then suddenly realize, oh, this service doesn't work the way I thought, or I'm surprised by, you know, whatever. Things things can be surprising sometimes. What we do is we always uh, basically require that people sign up uh, for a temporary number with us uh, so that they can try everything out and make sure it works. But then, yeah, you just come in through the account portal and, and fill out your old provider's information and we, we handle that for you. Do you have a cool off period? Like if you require somebody to try it out first, I don't think that's a bad idea either, but is it one of those, like you have to take a number, but then immediately can go to the portal or is it something like, you know, for the first month you have to use it and then we let you port your number in? We don't have a requirement, uh, mostly because everybody's needs are different and everyone's experience is different. Some people really know what they're doing and that's fine. We're, uh, Ports usually take at least a week anyway, so that's kind of about the minimum, although that's gotten faster in the last couple of months. Uh, so these days you could get a temp number today and depending on who you're porting from, have it come in within two days. Uh, and we'll allow that. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's just trying it out, but uh, that's, I mean, I don't know. It depends, right? Like if you if you get a feel in an hour and you say this is what I want, then sure. I mean, why not, right? You can always port out again later. It's not like it's a big problem so in, if you poured it in your number sorry no i'm i'm kind of hogging the no, uh, good. the microphone here if you poured in your number um do you is it would you recommend having a multiple line at least for a little bit or what is what is your general experience from the feedback that you get from your users so as a general rule, uh, what we see is that when someone ports in a number, that means that they're a lifetime customer now. Uh, port-ins are our highest value thing, which is why we don't charge for them. A lot of providers charge you to port in because we have to pay a couple dollars every time you port in. Um, but we just we to us, it's just worth it because almost everyone who ports in, they're porting in because they're not just using it as a temporary number. They're not just kicking the tires like they're in to use this as their phone number now. And so... Uh, Obviously, there are people who port back out and things do happen, but but we've overwhelmingly seen that people who choose to port in are the people who are choosing to stay. And is it, um, I suppose if you're porting in your number, you have to have a data connection on your phone of some sort. So you might still have to carry something from your carrier because like, obviously, you guys don't have the infrastructure to do something like that, I imagine. So is, is that a fair assumption? Um. Yeah, I think you're jumping ahead to one of those later questions, but uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, the uh, so uh, yes and no. Uh, so one of the things that was that we really pitched to certain communities when JMP launched was that you don't need a data connection on your phone if you don't, depending on how you want to use it. So I'm so yes, if you want to continue to use it the way you've always used a cell phone wherever you're standing in the middle of nowhere, then 100%, you still need a data connection from somebody. Um, and we don't care who you get it from. We do we do have a plan ourselves, uh, but, uh, but you don't have to get it from us. You can get it from whoever you want. But you can also get it from nobody and just use it on Wi-Fi, use it at home, use it at uh, the office. I, a lot of people, if you spend most of your time at home, the office and on a bus with or subway with Wi-Fi, you're like, and where do you go? You go to your friend's house, they have Wi-Fi. You go to the restaurant, they have Wi-Fi. We have, I wouldn't say this is most of our users, but we have a, a probably 10 to 20% of our, our customers uh, are people who have decided to replace having a non-free baseband entirely with just not having that uh, in their lives. And they, they use uh, other internet connections, but they can still interface with the world of phone numbers, which is which is a use case we definitely want to enable for people who want that. I think that's really neat. It's it would be a difficult thing for me here in in South Dakota, just because like outside of the city, like you don't have to go very far outside of the city, and then there is nothing in terms of Wi-Fi. Like a oh, lot of the businesses don't even yeah. have that enabled. So, absolutely, it really depends on on who you are and where you are and what you do. You know, uh, uh, but that's a, a flexibility that we that we are able to provide for people who want it. I just want to circle back to the number porting thing. Um, so I started by, I signed up for a new number and just as you suggested, I, I wanted to kick the tires for a little bit. So I did. And what I came away was, yeah, this is what I've been searching for all my life. So then I ported my main number in and used that for a while and thought that's great. And over time, what I've done is every time there's been a phone number that I want to retire or I, it has sentimental value or whatever, 
I've just kind of collected them on JMP, and I'm like, up, oh, create a new, create a new XMPP account, port it in, and I've gotten through that process. I've gone through that process enough times that you can sign up for the account. You can immediately message the bot and tell it, hey, I want to port line number port LNP. Fill out, it asks you all the questions. You answer all the questions, and I've absolutely had it to where I've done that on day one, and by the next day, I'm receiving calls and texts from from the port. So it 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 can be super fast. Um, I think it just depends on on kind of the day and the schedule and and all of the rest and all the rest of it. Can you talk a little bit about the multi-line discount? Particularly, I think it fits well into our discussion right now. If I have multiple lines, how exactly does that work? Do all of the calls and texts come to the same account or is it just multi-account for billing and you still need a separate XMPP account for each line? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of ways to think about it, but as you say, you, you need a separate Jabber ID for each line, a separate XMPP account for each line, um, and then you can tie them together for billing. Um, one of the things we launched at launch time, or like really barely just before, is you can now self-serve that that billing. Uh, so when you create a new JMP account and go through the sign-up process and pick a phone number and everything, you can use a special referral code, basically, that you get from your existing account that will tie it, tie the new account automatically into your existing billing and balance. So you're not entering a credit card number a second time or sending new Bitcoin in or whatever. It just uses the balance you already have in your account. Um, and that's also how we will power the multi-line discount uh, when people go onto the new pricing at the end of August. Um, but uh, if you look at the whole package of what we're offering, especially for new people onboarding today, um, the, Onboarding, the main onboarding flow that we recommend for people today uh, is to go through using our Android app wherever possible. Obviously, we want to be flexible for people who can't do that or don't want to or whatever, but that's like the main one that we've currently got really slicked out. Um, and when you go through that process, what you end up with is not just one Jabber ID, one XMPP account at the end of that process. What you actually end up with is an, an entire Jabber service, an entire server on either your own domain name or a, a subdomain that, that gets assigned to you, whatever you prefer. Um, and then you end up with your first line is a username you pick on that server. But if you want to go now create a second line, you were not talking about, okay, now I'm going to go create a Jabber account and then I'm going to go sign up for JMP. And then like, it, yes, technically you are doing all of those things 100%. And if you want to still do it that way, uh, we will 100% support you. Uh, but for a lot of users now, it's literally in the app. You tap the button that says "Create me a new account, a new you know Jabber ID," and you pick a username, and then you hit next, 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 and then it says, "Okay, what phone number?" You pick a phone number, you paste in your magic referral code, and you're done, and you never leave the app. So it it is a second Jabber ID for technical reasons, uh, but because we're giving most new users an entire service all to themselves, they can create new Jabber IDs on the fly really quickly without having to do a lot of fussing around. So this this is uh, this is a really important thing. I think I, I really want to underscore here. So, you know, I, I I opened up the interview by talking about how you kind of cater to geeks and and kind of cater to nerds. So the the geek inside of me, I don't really want to go through a curated process. I already exist on on XMPP. I'm well familiar with what the protocol is and how it works. And I understand, you know, the whole beauty of that is that you can jump from one server to the other and it works very much like email. So you allow people to take full advantage of that and just be the geek. And literally you can just tell the bot, like, here's what I want you to do and how I want you to send my messages. And you guys will support that hundred percent. But I want you to talk a little bit about your Android app, because this is very interesting. If there's somebody out there and they're listening to this and they're going, Man, I don't know what he's talking about. XMPP and Jabber and Snicket. I don't know what any of that stuff is. All I, I just want to pay my five bucks a month and I want my calls and my texts to show up on my phone. Like they ordinarily do. This is where this, this is where all of the work with your Android app, the Geogram app, uh, comes into play. Can you talk about what the development cycle looked like for that, how you arrived at it, and what that experience looks like to a new user? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I think one of the most important considerations for leaving beta was was this app. Uh, and and uh, really declaring that we're out of beta is declaring that the app is ready uh, from a certain point of view. Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff involved. But, uh, you know, we, we've had calls and texts and stuff basically working for for years people have been using it like you like you said yourself have been have been using it but uh, for people who who aren't 
uh, like us who don't have three servers already running in the background and 16 apps that they're playing with at any given time and who just want, like you said, I just want to show up and get it to work. That really wasn't the case, right? Uh, the, the old onboarding flow for JMP was very much, uh, you know, go get an account from over here and go over here and get an app and then get the account into that app and then talk to a chat bot. And like, there was a bunch of stuff. Um, it wasn't super hard, but it was definitely a bunch of stuff. And so what we've really wanted to do, we took uh, basically the best uh, uh, Jabber client that existed at the time, uh, which is the the great uh, client by Daniel Gulch called Conversations. Um, and uh, we forked it. Uh, in a minor way, we, we remain compatible with upstream as much as possible, and we send a lot of our, our patches upstream, and, and you know, we're it's a, a, a friendly fork. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we took that experience that was already so good in terms of being a chat client, and we just extended it slightly uh, with things that people would want. Uh, so, for example, it has an integration into the system dialer so that you can just open up your normal dialer app, tap in a phone number, hit call, and the call goes out through the app. We, you know, added an ability to add people by phone number to pull in all your Android contacts if you want to see them in the app in order to message and call people, um, you know, <clears throat> these kinds of things. And then, and then, you know, the, the big piece this spring, the, the cherry on top was the new onboarding flow, which is, which is baked into the app, um, which lets people just download the app, you know, tap, I need an account. And then it says, okay, you need an account. Do you want JMP? Yes, I want JMP. Okay. Do you want a phone number? Yes. Pick a phone number, pay the pay the price, uh, tap tap tap, and uh, pick a username, and and then you at the end of that, what you end up with is a whole entire service to yourself set up on a username with this phone number. That's all all working together, and all you had to do was just pick a username and a and a phone number, basically. And and actually, so pick a username and phone number and pay for those of us in the free software community, people who are who are totally outside of this and, and are just regular Android phone users. If they buy the app from Google play, they don't even have to pay. Uh, they buy, they buy the app for, for five bucks and we give them the first month free. Basically we count the app payment in the play store as the first month. So, so for those people, <laughs> it's literally like they buy the app and they just go tap, tap, tap. Yes. This phone number. Yes. This username done. Wow. So can you talk a little bit about, how the like if you can pull back the geek cur curtain for me how are the text messages and the calls actually coming into the app what is the technology behind that how is that working sure yeah so the <clears throat> there's a bunch of layers but most of them are the same as each other really uh ultimately we've got a a partner uh that we partner with for the that is actually a, a us tier one carrier, uh, bandwidth.com. Uh, they're a, a click. Um, and they, uh, hold all the phone numbers, uh, for us. Um, mostly because registering our own click is expensive and we're not that big yet. Uh, <laughs> so we work with them. Um, and then, so we're interface, our system has to interface through there, whatever random APIs they want to decide to give us, uh, basically, which are, a whole bucket of weird things sometimes. Um, and then we have a bunch of stuff on our side that we've built that's all uh, free software, HTTPLv3, um, that uh, will interface with their APIs and pull in the messages however and calls however they send them to us. And then we transform that into standardized uh, XMPP uh, uh, stanzas, we call them, uh, just messages, um, that, uh, that any existing XMPP client or server knows how to process. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of the main thing that we do. Um, uh, for calls, we actually have this whole thing with uh, where we're using asterisk, uh, which we don't exactly love, but it works. So we aren't, aren't touching it for now. Mm -hmm. Um, because the asterisk already is really good at tying into this kind of SIP trunk backhaul stuff that these carriers are already using for themselves. Um, and then it can sort of speak XMPP, like really barely. We had to patch it a bunch uh, to make it work at all. And then, and then all of the, even with all the patching, it still sends all its stanzas into another component we wrote that like rewrites all the addresses because it doesn't know how to address people properly at all. It's basically designed if you only want to call yourself. 
which is kind of useless. Uh, so we did some some weird massaging in the data there, but then it works out, and then you can call in uh, in your regular uh, Jabber client. Uh, yeah, uh, so that's for for calls and, and texts are, are like that, but simpler. There's a bunch of like edge cases that you have to think about. Like if you send try to send a file that's like 10 megabytes, like a picture, but we can't send that as a picture message because picture messaging caps out at like three and a half meg, five meg on some carriers. Um, so, you know, we had to have considerations around that, different things like that that we have to do. Uh, but but ultimately it's it's a, it's a mostly a translation layer is the, the main thing that we're doing. Okay. So the calls and the text eventually terminate via XMPP on the app. Yes. Uh, I mean, mostly. So that that is the default configuration. Calls, especially, we allow you to terminate kind of however you want. You can have them forwarded to a phone number or any SIP URI yeah. or any XMPP URI. Yeah. So a quick touch on that. So I have a Polycom uh, cordless phone. And I... What I do is I, I have that tied to my JMPN account so that when calls come in, it just delivers them right to the, um, right on the, uh, it delivers them right on the phone and I have a physical device. Uh, JJ484 in the chat room is asking, what about a desktop app? Is there anything available that you recommend from using it on like a computer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's most of, that's mostly where I use it from. Let's be honest. Uh, most of most of my life is spent in front of my computer, so I that was the whole thick story I told at the beginning, right? I don't want to pull the phone out of my pocket to tap out a reply to someone when I'm sitting in front of my computer already. Um, yeah, so uh, the for most for the best, like I just want it to work experience. What we mostly recommend right now is Movim, which is sort of a web app. I say sort of because you can use it. Um, by going to mov.im and then there it is, it's a web app. Or you can run it on your computer and then you, it still renders in the web browser, um, but you can run it pretty easily on your computer. I do it all the time. Um, the reason that one's the one I always mention first is because it has the best calling experience of any of the desktop clients right now okay. in terms of phone network things. It has a DTMF pad, uh, which is how you do things like press one for English, press two for Spanish. Um, and uh, almost none of the other desktop clients have that right now, uh, which is annoying to people who make that kind of call on a regular basis. Um, and also the browsers just have really rock solid WebRTC stacks because they need to for other things that browsers are doing. Uh, and so the calls kind of bootstrap off of that and work really well uh, most of the time. That's not to say it's the only option. Uh, Gadget and Dino are both great uh, cross-platform options that do support calls and texts uh, without any, without too much trouble, but they each have their own little quirks. Uh, Gadget will only work for calls if you use it exclusively. If you have a second app open at the same time, it doesn't work right. That's a historical thing. And uh, and Dino, the call support is just new, so it's a little bit unstable. It works for most people, but not for everybody. Um, on macOS, there's uh, Beagle. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, and then, of course, there's like 800 clients you can use if you don't care about calling. <laughs> if you don't care about calling, yeah. it's actually much more straightforward. You can use anything you want. You can use like Profanity or Posio or uh, Ursi or like whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I've so I've I've used I've used GetJim and I've used that mostly for messaging. I've also played around with Linphone, and um, I you know I don't know that I would say that that the the that using Linphone with SIP is 100%, but it certainly allows me to make make and receive calls. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, if, you, if you're, if you that, that, yeah, I guess I didn't mention that, but yeah, you can also split in half for sure. And you can do, uh, you're calling over SIP and keep your messaging on XMPP. And then you can use whatever client you want. Like I said, basically any client will work fine for texting uh, and then use the SIP client for, for calls. And you can always call out from SIP no matter what your settings are. So if you just care about out, outbound calls. So what I actually do for myself is I have inbound calls routed to my Jabber ID, and that rings actually on my Android phone in Geogram Android, and that's how I test the app. Um, but most of the time when I make an outbound call, I launch Linphone on my desktop. <laughs> okay. Um can you talk a little bit about uh, Snicket? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I've been following XMPP for 10 plus years. I, I was on Matrix basically the day they came out with it. But Snicket was something new to me. What is Snicket and why is it a service that you offer hosting on? Yeah, sure. 
so Snicket is uh, not our project at all, uh, but it's uh, uh, another well-known uh, XMPP aficionado, uh, Matthew Wild, who uh, founded the Prosody Project, one of the most uh, well-known XMPP servers, and has done a whole lot of other stuff over the years uh, for the XMPP community. And uh, he founded that project kind of out of this... Uh, Basically, in what he the way he tells the story is he was fed up with the fact that his family that he had been you know a decades long champion of XMPP and his family still all talk to each other on WhatsApp. Uh, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so he said, "No, I need a solution to this problem." Uh, and uh, he, he also tells a story about how once he was at, he was working at a company where like Slack went down or something, and he was like, "Oh, I'll just set up an internal XMPP server while Slack is down, and show everybody how cool it is." But it just like getting everyone onboarded took longer than the Slack outage was, um, and so Snicket is really this idea of what if we align the way that an XMPP service works with the common user's expectation. So that is one brand uh, for for one thing, right? I don't have. You know, we're comfortable talking about, you know, Dino and Movim and Gajim and Chiagram and like, you know, I got different apps on every device and everything is so cool. Uh, but a lot of users want to just be like, what do I need to get this? And you can just tell them, get Snicket. Are you on iOS? Get Snicket. Are you on Android? Get Snicket. Someday, are you on anything else? Get Snicket. There's only Android and iOS right now. But but the, you, you see the, the the plan, right? And and like, oh, mm -hmm. well, what server should I connect to? Your Snicket server. Like, there's no, there's just one thing, just one word to know. Um, and, uh, and then uh, coupled with that, the main thing is that it's got a really slicked up invite flow. So when you're in your Snicket instance, you know, if you've got the Snicket app or the Chiagram Android app, uh, you can just tap a button, uh, right on the home screen that says like, I want to invite someone new. It says, okay, if you're in the same room with them, it literally shows you a QR code. They can just pull their phone out, scan the QR code, and it'll walk them through getting the app picking a username and and as soon as they're in they automatically have you added as a contact and they're just done now they're talking to you um and uh if you're not in the same room you know it gives you a, a url and you paste it to them and it's the same kind of thing right it's the same kind of thing you've seen from every other social media site where it's just like send this to your friend and then they go boom 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 and now they're in and they have an account and you're already a contact and they can just start talking to you right away and the other thing that snicket has uh in the same vein is this idea of circles uh, where, especially if you're creating the invites through the Snicket web interface instead of through the app, you can actually say, okay, I want all the people who are inv invited with this link to end up in one circle. And what a circle is is that they all end up in each other's contact list and they all end up in a group chat together. So especially for, if you think back to the, that original use case of my family are all using WhatsApp, what he did was he stood up an instance, he made one link for one circle called family, he sent it to everybody in his family, they clicked the links on their own without him having to be there and watch over their shoulder and install an app and have them pick a password. They just were like, click link, mm -hmm. install app, pick username, and now they have everyone else in their family already in their contacts, and they're already in a group chat with everybody in the family. They're just done. Wow. And now we've, swi now we've switched. That's very uh, cool. So, so that, so obviously the the <clears throat> Snicket isn't going anywhere. So that will that has nothing to do with the beta or the final launch. It's just it's its own thing, and it will remain its own thing, and it will just continue to work even after the beta. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as for why we're partnered with them, uh, there's a, a bunch of reasons you could say, but ultimately it's basically that we had always talked about how we needed to run our own hosting service of some kind. We couldn't just keep relying on public servers and volunteer run servers as our main infrastructure forever. And mm -hmm. we talked about what a hosting service could look like or should look like. And then Snicket, you know, launched into their hosting beta right while we were in the middle of that discussion. And we looked at it and we said, this is as close to what we were going to build as anything could ever be, unless it was the thing we actually built ourselves. <laughs> why, why distract ourselves with building a new service when we can just, you know, sell people this? Yeah. So that's what we did. I you you guys have been very early adopters of of Matrix and and working with Aria.net to get a 
basically, really, it's it's a double bridge, right? So we're going from SMS to XMPP that you guys are doing, and then Aria.net is has has a public Bifrost bridge that bridges XMPP to Matrix, and so the end result is to nerds like me that are, that eat, live, and breathe a Matrix infrastructure. I'm able to get all of my SMSs that come in through JMP.chat, and and from my perspective, they're just seamlessly delivered into into my Matrix client. It's not a, it's not a perfect experience, but then again, it's not something that you guys are doing. It's it's a bunch of different projects all kind of coming together and working together to make it happen. The fact that it works at all, I think, is really impressive. Is there are there any plans to to expose your service as a more nat- as a more native matrix integration so that it would go straight from SMS to uh, you know a matrix server? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, and for some reason, I'm going to answer all your questions with philosophical stories instead of okay. answers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so Chiagram, the project uh, that JMP is basically a plug-in into, um, I've always talked about as being uh, analogous to, uh, in, to, to try to make XMPP analogous to the way English is used in the UN, if you know anything about how that's set up. Okay. Um, so we've got all these public protocols, Matrix, XMPP, SMTP for email, IRC servers, SMS, all this stuff. And yeah, we can build like point-to-point bridges between all of them, and I'm sure people do and will and are and all of that. But what I'd rather do than make JMP also able to talk to Matrix directly is I'd rather make the double bridge experience seamless. Because I'd like to also, if we can make double bridging seamless we can also say hey you want to get it by email over delta chat done like i didn't have to now also yeah. build jmp for email i just build a really i built a really good sms to xmpp bridge and then if i build a really good xmpp to matrix bridge now we have sms on matrix if i build a really good xmpp to email bridge now i have X, sms on email if i build a really good bridge to activity pub you can go to your freaking lemme and kbin and start texting people like whatever <laughs> uh and all those bridges exist today. All three of the ones I just mentioned already exist. They're just not at the same caliber of quality level that we have with, with, with you know, main JMP. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's impossible to get there. I don't think it's even hard to get there. It's just a matter of time and resourcing for each of those, those connections. So I, I think we absolutely want to get to a point where JMP could be effectively seamless to use from, from Matrix. Uh, and I think the... I, I just think the right way to get there from a technology point of view is to invest in the bridging solution uh, between XMPP and Matrix rather than doing something special case only for JMP. Because also, if mm-hmm. you think about it, if we invest in the bridge between XMPP and Matrix, not only does that get you SMS on Matrix, but it also gets you anything else XMPP on Matrix as well, yeah. and vice versa, right? And 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 vice versa is, you know, you, you, I, I'm sure you're, you know, you're a big Matrix guy. I'm sure you're familiar with the work that Beeper is doing. Um, and you know, you can imagine anything that Beeper builds a bridge to. Why don't XMPP people get to use that too, right? And like, yeah. and vice versa. Why, why, why pick? Why, why should we all stand around saying, "Oh, I build for Matrix. Oh, I build for XMPP." Like, whatever. I don't care. I'll just bridge it all together, and then it'll all just work. That's the that's the hope. <laughs> I, I I like it. I love that attitude. So, heaven forbid something goes wrong with hosting with the telco, whatever. Um, are customers locked into your service once they port the number in, or is there a way for them to port their number back out? And what does that process look like? Yeah, so easy easy peasy to port your number back out. Um, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's basically illegal to prevent you from porting a number out. Um, so, yeah, porting is always handled, handled by the new carrier. Um, so, like we talked about, when you port into JMP, you come to us, you fill out a form, we handle it. When you port into another carrier, it's it's basically the same thing. And so even if we were to all be dead, uh, it doesn't really matter because the the phone number itself is held at the CLEC, at the at the carrier partner that, that we partner with. Um, and uh, and so the number will still exist and will still be there. And if you go to if you fill out a port out form with a with a new carrier, they'll be able to to pull it in from there. Um, the yeah, so so that's that's like your your worst case scenario is that uh, the whole system falls open. That there's no one here checking that the ports are good anymore uh, or whatever, and then you just all port out real fast. Uh, that's that's like your absolute worst case scenario if we like all got on the same airplane or something stupid. What I love about it is that it everything that all of my experiences with with JMP have been very straightforward and honestly. 
it's it doesn't feel corporate and slimy if that's if that's if that if I can phrase it like that. Uh, largely, I'm able to do everything I want to do by myself, which is the way I prefer it. I message the bot, I tell the bot what I want, and I I, I have absolutely been in situations where I'm getting phones, uh, having it uh, having calls, you know, delivered on my phone, but now something happened to my phone or I'm not able to access it. There was one time I was on an airplane and I it was extremely important that I was able to get messages and and, and calls and not miss it, and I was able to just forward the calls and just message the bot as I'm walking through the gate terminal to say, hey, I want the want the calls to go over here for the time being and told my wife, hey, can you watch this and make sure to answer the phone and somebody called my phone number and it just rang her phone transparently and but I was still able to keep an eye on the messages and and you have the transcription for voicemails and it emails you a copy of the wave or whatever uh, messages you a copy of the wave file so you can listen to it I mean you really have dialed in a, a, a great service I, I I thank you for the time for coming on and talking about it if people want to take advantage of jmp.chat if they're listening to this um, and they want to learn more or they want to kick the tires and maybe port their number and start using an internet based service. How do they, how do they get started? What do you recommend? Yeah. So, uh, if, if you, what I would recommend is if you're an Android user, which I imagine a significant number of, of your listeners kind of are, yes. then your, your easiest, smoothest pathway is going to be, um, to go get the Chiagram Android app. You can get it from Fdroid. You can get it from Chiagram.com, download the APK, or you can get it from Google Play Store, whichever, you know, pick your poison. Um, and when you launch that app, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you like two screens saying like, this is what Jabber is, blah, blah, blah. And then it's just a button. I need to sign up. You tap that button. It's going to say, do you want JMP? You tap the, tap the big JMP logo. And like that, that's kind of your pathway. You search for phone number, pick a phone number, pick a username like that. It, that's just going to to guide you through everything directly. Um, if you just want to read more, or if you have, are in a different situation, you want to set up on desktop exclusively or on an Apple product or something like that, then jmp.chat, you go to the website, and all of our, our older legacy onboarding stuff is still live uh, so that anybody can still can still get in. Singpolama from jmp.chat to guest this hour on the Ask Noah Show. Singpolama, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate having you. We'll get you back in the program soon. All right. From the Linux Newswire Newsroom, this is the Week in Review with JT. For the week of June 18th, 2023, here's the Linux and open source news. Distrobox 1.5 has been released. The Tails team has announced the release of Tails 5.14, which includes automatic Lux2 migration and captive portal detection. NVIDIA has released a new Linux driver with improved Wayland support. Sparky Linux 7.0, codenamed Orion Belt, is out and is based on Debian 12 Bookworm. Ultramarine Linux 38, which is based on Fedora 38, has been released with System76 scheduler and a choice of four desktops. Budgie, GNOME, KDE Plasma, and Pantheon. OpenVPN 2.6.5 has been released. Linux 6.3.8 is out. And the Rust toolchain will be upgraded in the Linux 6.5 kernel. The Steam Linux beta client has added a new scaling setting override for users of the GNOME desktop. In AI news, and LLM Blender is a novel ensemble framework to attain consistently superior performance by leveraging the diverse strengths of multiple open source large language models. And Microsoft has released Orca, its new open source AI LLM. Thank you, JT. You'll catch his newscast at the top and bottom of, uh, of the Ask Noah show. Steve, before we get out of here, you want to hit some feedback? Absolutely. All right. Our first piece of feedback comes in from. Uh, who's our first? Jeremy. Jeremy. And Jeremy writes in and says, hi, Noah and Steve. I just found out my new favorite browser feature in Firefox, and that is the multi-account container feature. That is essentially a separate browser for each set of cookies in each container. You can assign different sites to always open a specific container as well as extension like Bitwarden still works with containers. So I thought I'd pass this along. All the best, Jeremy. So Steve, didn't we have a question about somebody asking how to do this? Yeah, we did. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, someone asking basically how do they manage a browser with multiple 
uh, clients, I think they were dealing with for the small business. And so this was, this was one of my answers to that question. Um, I like this, I like this plugin a lot. I kind of discovered it when doing research for that last question, let's say January ish timeframe. Our second email comes in from Ziggy Ziggy says, hi guys, greetings from Ireland. I've been listening to your show from the very beginning and I never miss an episode. I really appreciate the help ethic and many of your discussions and exploration on various issues and technologies in the open source world. They've already assisted me greatly. Many thanks. I currently have a ring doorbell and as it only films outside and that outside is not a very busy street, they don't particularly care about the privacy implications other than the data that the device might be trying to capture from my network. In that regard, I have it on a separate guest subnet, and so I'm hoping it's unable to gather much information. However, the knowledge in this area is scarce at best. One day, I want to implement a proper system of isolated VLANs, but that's for another day and another project. In the meantime, what I would love for you guys to do is do one episode where we fully go through from beginning to end what one might need to deploy a fully private and open source video camera solution and how it sends data to a self-hosted NAS. I currently run TrueNAS Scale without going out to the internet and as a self as a half seasoned WireGuard user in no small part due to the knowledge I've gained from your show I can now access my LAN remotely and therefore would be able to check the video footage from the NAS as required I would like to also include alert functionality if that's not possible however that might work take note here I'm not talking about a doorbell necessarily but a camera that I would like to put an in or for a camera, for example, to put outside my back door that has Wi-Fi. I think an Ethernet connection is going to be difficult, if not impossible, to implement. I know you've covered this in an episode of Memory Serves October 2022, but I'm requesting a dedicated episode that teaches the steps in a simple to use in one of your own frequently used phrases, monkey see, monkey do, series of instructions and a hardware list. Once again, thanks for all the hard work you guys do for the community, Ziggy. So what I would tell, how I would respond to that, so a couple things, there, there we typically have been using Synology's disk station to deal with the camera NVR in part because it's the, it's really one of the best end user experiences. So when you go to log into the web interface or when you go to use the mobile app, it just, it works very well. And because it complies to ONVIF standards, you can use literally any IP camera under the sun and it's likely to work. Now they test with access cameras, which are some of the best cameras out there on the market. Made in, uh, in, in Sweden, they're, they're very top end. Um, they cost a little bit of money, but you can usually purchase those used off of eBay. I have, however, experimented with things like ZoneMinder. If you're willing to put the time in and tweak ZoneMinder, you can absolutely get a stellar experience on ZoneMinder. No question about it. It does take a bit of technical know-how and it takes a bit of dedication. And if you want the UI to really sing and pizzazz and, and impress the wife, then that takes a little bit of extra time there as well. Steve, I think if I remember right, you're kind of whole hog against cameras, but have you done anything in the way of surveillance or have you, have you considered doing it even if it was something self-hosted that could be entirely hosted at your house? I'd be interested in just as a academic exercise. I'm very interested in kind of looking into this situation, um, mostly because we, my wife wants to watch chickens. She wants oh, to watch sure. her chickens in the coop. Um, and so I have very little care about the privacy of my chickens, whether that leaks out onto the internet or not. <laughs> so uh, I, I am acquiescing to her request. I just haven't I've, I've run the Ethernet, and that's as far as I got on that project. That sounds like the perfect thing to put into a chicken. We can get your chickens at 8K, 30 frames per second, Steve. We can capture. We can get motion detection on those bad boys. They won't make a move without you getting an alert and knowing. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs> the music in our ears, hey, it means we're out of time, but I thank you for joining us. We record the show live on the air every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. It airs on 88.3 in Grand Forks, as well as streams online, asknoahshow.com. It only works... If you participate, we asked for your feedback. You gave it. Continue to write in live at asknoahshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Colonel Linux. He's at Linux Ovens. The show at Ask Noah Show. We're back next Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central, asknoahshow.com. Have a good week.